Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Your host, Andrew Donaldson. This is Heard Tell. Ah, Heard Tell Show. It is Friday, folks. You made it into another week. It is April the 22nd year of our Lord 2022. Appreciate y'all joining us on Heard Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Once again, I'm on the road traveling, so it looks a little different if you're watching this on the YouTube program. Still, uh, different undisclosed location from an economically priced hotel room but again broadcasting from an economically priced hotel room so glad you're with us wherever you are at or across the street or around the world we hope you and yours are well thank you so much for joining us even though this one's a little different uh no guests today because i'm traveling we're having a little trouble with internet stuff because as much as i love the great state of west virginia the broadband hadn't caught up yet we've had a little trouble getting the internet quality in order to get the videos uploaded so thursday's show and today friday's show the youtube uh video portions are not up yet they will be as soon as we work out enough broadband to get those uploaded they're big files there's a lot that goes into that we're not going to upload non-quality stuff for you because you're giving us the most precious thing you have your time we're going to make sure they're high quality so they'll be up shortly however the podcast versions are all up itunes spotify google uh, however you want to listen to your podcast versions, those are up and running right now. And over the weekend, we'll get the other one straightened out. That'll include our Twice on Sunday show that comes out on Sunday. And we'll be right back here Monday morning for more Herd Tell. We're going to cover a couple different things on today's show. There's not going to be a guest, just going to be me. We're not going to be unfair to our guests and not let them uh, join us the way they normally get to. We're going to cover quite a few things. Uh, we're going to cover Florida. We're going to turn down the noise on Governor Ron DeSantis versus Disney. We've been covering it on and off. We're going to start the program there, but as the program unfolds today, we're going to talk about a couple different things. Over in Shanghai, uh, the port in Shanghai has been closed because Shanghai, the city, has been completely shut down for more COVID restrictions. How bad is it? Well, the COVID numbers are bad enough, but the port is an absolute disaster. It's the biggest container shipping port in the world. One in five of every shipping container in the world right now is sitting off Shanghai on a boat. This is going to have massive implications to the supply chain. We've learned that over the last couple of years. We're going to touch in on that story. Also, we mentioned on the program yesterday, Sri Lanka is an example of what's going on with China economically and China's way of expanding in the world. We see what Russia is trying to do militarily. China does it economically. Uh, and they have got their hooks into Sri Lanka, and it's an absolute mess. India is trying to pull back some of what's going on in Sri Lanka, but we talked about it on yesterday's program. We're going to get into it a little bit more in depth today. Uh, debt spending, predatory debt on the part of China, and how they're using 
collateral like infrastructure, like ports, like power plants, like things like this in places like Africa and now in Sri Lanka to get that money recouped. And it's also going to spread their influence and spread their fear. We'll cover that in just a little bit. Also, uh, we covered this uh, before we really started doing Herd Tell more in our writing and on the Twitter, which you can follow me at Four for the Fire on the Twitter, my personal Twitter account, Herd Tell Show at Twitter, if you want to cover the show's Twitter account. But way back when, remember the We Build the Wall campaign? They raised millions and millions of dollars, and they're going to build the Southern Wall. Well, from the moment that thing started, we started to crying that, no, you want to stay away from that. Don't send them money. That whole thing is sketchy. That's not me saying it. You can go check our Twitter feeds. It's searchable. We don't delete tweets. We were up front saying this thing's a scam. Well, one of the leaders of that now has pled guilty. He's going to be getting jail time for it and admits how much of a fraud that whole thing was. We'll recap that a little bit later on. Also, into the program, uh, we usually end on a little bit of a lighthearted note. This one won't be as lighthearted, but it is important. Uh, World Central Kitchen, that's Chef Jose Andreas's uh, wonderful charity where they show up just about anywhere in the world, something bad's happening, and feed people. Uh, a chef from Boston gives an inside viewpoint of having gone over to Poland and worked in those kitchens, what's actually involved. We talk about that as a charity work, but this is an inside view about one of the chefs, what it's really, really like to work in a uh, mass-produced food line where they're making tens of thousands of meals a day for refugees. Good insight that, yes, it's charity work, but it's a lot of really hard work, and God bless the people doing it. We're going to dig into that in a little bit, but first, uh, let's go down to Florida and discuss what's going on there. Uh, large, big picture. Governor Ron DeSantis uh, has decided that he's going to pick a fight with the House of Mouse. Disney, of course, has Disney World. Uh, Disney World is a massive uh, part of Central Florida, just outside of Orlando. They have now passed in both houses of the Florida legislature a repeal of the special des tax designations for Disney World. Now, what does this actually mean, though? Because on social media, this all sounds great. Yeah, we're going to stick it to Disney for them being woke or activist or whatever terminology you want to use. Well, as we keep telling you on this program, you have to turn down the noise on stuff, even if it's something that sounds good, even if it tickles your ears, even if you like it. The problem is when you go to do legislation, there's a lot of black and white involved. Well, our friend Sarah Rumpf over at Mediaite, uh, just for her, um, she's a friend. Of course, we enjoy her work. Uh, would like to get her on the program. We were actually trying to get her on the program back at the end of the year, and she was moving, but we'll try to get her on in the future soon. Uh, she's writing a media. I, just for her Florida uh, credentials, she is a double graduate of the University of Florida, both undergrad and the law school. Um, and she cites and has reviewed a lot of the central Florida leaders that are actually involved here. We're going to go to her piece at Mediaite. Uh, I recommend you read the whole thing. It's a lengthy piece. It's an in-depth piece. We're going to take a couple excerpts from it, though, because this is a dissenting view you're not hearing very much. Um, I will not allow a woke corporation based in California to run our state, Governor Ron DeSantis declared in a recent fundraising email. And this week, his war on Disney moved from rhetoric to regulatory regulation, retaliatory regulation, as he pushed for a bill in the current special session that would dissolve Disney's Reedy Creek Improvement District. Quick pause here as we read through Sarah's piece. Reedy Creek Improvement District, the RCID, that's the technical term for the carve-out that the state of Florida gave Walt Disney, the guy, not the company, to build Disney World on. 
Uh, remember, this is this was basically unused land, and it was given to them for economical development back in the 60s. Back to the piece. He seems poised to declare victory, as the House and Senate have both passed the bill, but his efforts mark a reversal of not only long-held conservative principles on protecting free speech and private property rights, but also threatens to unleash colossal economic devastation on Central Florida's local governments and residents with impacts rippling statewide. Um, DeSantis's ire was sparked by Disney's opposition to HB 1557, the partial rights and education bill called the Don't Say Gay Bill by its critics. Uh, another aside here, we've covered this a couple different times. Please go back and listen to anything that we've covered on this and also Ordinary-Times.com. Uh, the writing website we're privileged to work at has the entire bill. It's only about it's, the whole bill's seven pages. It's really about four and a half pages of actual text. Go read it for yourself. Don't take people's word for it. Go read it. Uh, just like uh, Sarah here links to it. Back to the piece, Sarah Rumpf writing in Mediaite. And his war on Mickey Mouse has been cheered by a wide swath of conservative commentator class. Um, National Review's Charles C.W. Cook is a notable exception. We'll touch on this in a bit generally supporting the census's agenda, but calling the efforts to repeal the RCID as, quote, an ugly and ill-conceived mistake. That's what Charles C.W. Cook called it. I'm a native Orlando, and I grew up in the shadow of the House of Mouse. This is Sarah Rumpthory. Makes you fully aware of the good, the bad, and the ugly that Disney has brought to Central Florida. The region's astronomical growth would not have been possible without the billions pouring out of tourist pockets, but with that comes all the usual traffic, crime, environmental challenges, as swampland and citrus groves were transformed into one of the world's top vacation destinations. Disney is the state's largest employer, with Walt Disney World employing nearly 80,000 people, with a payroll of over $3 billion, plus those employed by the Disney Cruise Line ships that depart from Port Canaveral in Miami. Uh, another quick aside here, remember when they did the special legislation about the cruise lines? Disney got carves out for that. My, 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 how quickly things change. Back to the piece for Sarah. Rump. Mickey is the multi-billion dollar fuel for the economic engine of the entire state. It's the magnet that draws its visitors to other area attractions and hotels. We can avoid a state income tax largely because of hotel and sales taxes collected from the more than 100 million people who visit the Sunshine State each year. To research this article, I consulted public records and spoke with numerous experts around the state, including attorneys, law professors, land use and developmental professionals, the Florida's tourism industry, the former Disney employees, elected officials, county government employees. Many asked to remain anonymous due to the highly charged political atmosphere. My sources ranged all across the political spectrum, but universally expressed shock at DeSantis and his GOP compatriots, mounting such a blatant assault on free speech. Many raised concerns about the thoughtless speed by which the bill moved forward and the havoc which they expected its unintended consequences to wreck in a state that's dependent on tourism. They're just making blank up was the blunt reaction from one of Central Florida's political insiders. We'll talk more about Ron DeSantis and the House of Mouse, Disney versus Florida, when Hertel continues right after this. Welcome back to Hertel. We're continuing with Sarah Rump's 
piece in Mediaite, HB3C, along with its identical companion bill in the Florida Senate that was passed on Wednesday and the House passed on the following afternoon, is a deceptively simple one-and-a-half-page bill that eliminated independent special districts that were enacted before the 1968 Florida Constitution unless the legislature moves to reauthorize them. That cutoff point just so happens to include the RCID and five other much simpler special districts. Once again, an aside here, we tell you over and over and over again on this program, do your own homework. Once something goes to legislation or litigation, you have to read the fine print. Don't listen to the buzzwords. Don't listen to the Twitter. Don't listen to the Facebook post. Don't listen to the slogans. These things are written in black and white. Read the black and white. So when they're saying we're going to go get Disney, the black and white matters. And that's why we're reading Sarah Rump's piece here. We're going to delve into the black and white of it. The bill essentially sets up a system of legislative blackmail with a short clause establishing that the included special districts would be, quote, dissolved effective June 1, 2023. In other words, after the upcoming midterm elections in which DeSantis and the Republican legislators sponsoring the bill are running for re-election and after the regular 2023 legislative sessions, the legislation legislator is putting Disney on a leash, one Florida board certified a local government law told me. So they better do what Ron DeSantis says. They better give to the PACs, Ron DeSantis says. They better back off the things that Ron DeSantis and the Republican lawmakers want or else. In their view, it is more egregious than immediately dissolving the RCID, which is being, that's the rhetoric. They're saying they're going to dissolve it immediately. It's not true. Sending Disney the message that, quote, if you don't do what we say and stop criticizing things like HB 15557, that's the uh, parental notification bill, the so-called don't say gay bill, even though that's not what it is, then after the session, we'll quietly let you come back. The governor and his allies have characterized ending RCID as a justifiable blow against crony capitalism, but it's a far cry from the multi-million dollar incentives handed out to build sports stadiums, instead compromising a grant of interwoven powers and responsibilities that would be excruciatingly difficult to unwind, assuming such efforts survive likely key challenges. Here's what the RCID actually does. When Walt Disney was scouting Central Florida for his next theme park in the mid-60s, neither Orange nor Ocello counties, it's in parts of both, had the resources or staff to manage the massive development and the creation of the RCID was supported by both local and state government officials. The 1967 state statues that created the RCID, that's Disney World now, granted the Walt Disney Company broad powers to develop and control the land they purchased to build projects that would eventually include Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, plus most of the hotels, restaurants, and retails. It initially covered roughly 25,000 square acres, about 39 square miles, parceled out of Orlando um, and the two counties stretching over Orange and Osceola counties. Disney collects and remits sales tax to both counties, as well as collecting tourism development taxes from hotel guests and the RCID pays county property tax almost $300 million between 2015 and 2022, as well as levying taxes for its own properties. They do everything from local government types like building permits, fire, emergency medical services, a full power plant, water and waste treatment, trash and recycling and construction and maintenance of roadways and waterways. The RCID demands a higher standard than the neighboring counties, resulting in immaculately maintained roadways. Locals frequently joke about trying to get Disney to seize control of the unending and never-ceasing I-4 construction, building codes that are state-of-the-art for hurricane protection, 
and significant resources devoted to environmental protection. The satellite map of the region shows the vast green spaces, some of the most valuable real estate in the entire country, and the dissolution of the RCID could set off detrimental both environmental, commercial, and real estate impacts, as Disney may consider selling some of these parcels or local government leaders could be tempted to seize them through eminent domain and distribute them. Professor Clay Calvert, who teaches First Amendment and media law at the University of Florida College, concurred that the implied threat within the statute to comply or face revocation of the RCID's powers could constitute a violation of Disney's free speech rights. He wouldn't be the first voice feeling the whiplash after watching conservatives for years. Cheers to the Citizen United case in which the Supreme Court ruled that corporations, nonprofits, and labor unions had free speech rights and the government could not restrict them from making independent expenditures for political purposes. Signaling out a business in a way that detrimentally affects its free speech rights is always problematic. Textbook viewpoint discrimination, which is presumably unconstitutional. It should be noted that the uber Republican retirement community, the villages, including multiple special districts with very similar functions as the RCID, but Ron DeSantis isn't going to target his super voters, especially not in an election year. The clear message, which HBC, the professor continued, is that if they hadn't, if they'd supported DeSantis's view, then Disney wouldn't be facing any repercussions. He highlighted the legal woes of former Mayor Rudy Giuliani when he sought to defund and evict the Brooklyn Museum of Art for when he objected to what he called a sick and anti-Catholic display. Uh, I can't repeat the name of it, but that was uh, the display of a portion of Jesus Christ in a jar full of urine, if you remember that from a few years ago. A federal court ruled that Giuliani's retaliatory actions were a violation of the museum's free speech rights. There are many other case laws. This issue might score points politically, but legally, he's going to get his blank kicked if he takes it to court. Uh, they cite other pieces here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue on this Disney story beyond legal. What would actually happen to these counties if this legislation went through? Again, it's very broad. It's very short. And it doesn't take into account what's going to go into these counties. Sarah Rump details it in de Sarah Rump details it for us when we come back on her tell right after this. back to her tell we're continuing with sarah rump's piece in mediaite um we've already detailed her bona fides in florida uh and continuing with her piece briefly here on her tell uh in addition to free speech property rights and equal protection grounds there's a simple fact that repealing the rcid that's the reedy creek improvement district that's basically the carve out for disney world to become disney world without the consent of voting landowners is prohibited by current state law, the authority to vote for the RCID Board of Supervisors rests solely in a hand-selected group of senior Disney employees who are listed as the official landowners on several undeveloped parcels. And they go on to cite the case law, and we'll skip down a little bit here because we're not going to get into it. The statutory provision was reassuring to Orange County Commissioner Christine Moore, who initially told me she was stressed and horrified, those are direct quotes, by HB3C because we can't handle it. We aren't keeping up with Orlando's development as it is now. Remember, this is the county commissioner. Worrying how to possibly take the RCID on was, quote, a distraction to the business we need to be doing, pointing out that Central Florida's ongoing challenges with transportation and affordable housing. 
After speaking with a county attorney, however, she relaxed somewhat, calling me back to say the attorney was pretty confident that Disney will prevail in a court battle on that statute. Still, court cases take time in the short period, just over one year, after which HB3C would abolish RCID, left very little time to prepare. Disney has completely different standards. That's a direct quote. Then Orange County said more, and if the county was going to take over RCID's functions, enter a new RCID-like agreement with Disney or some hybrid of the two, quote, we'll have to do a study, and those don't happen overnight. HB3C's House sponsor, State Representative Randy Fine, who's a Republican, admitted on Wednesday he had not met with anyone from Disney, RCID, or Orange or Ocello County governments to discuss the impact that repealing the RCID might have before putting the bill forward. Um, it's very knee-jerk. State Rep. Carlos Smith, who's a Democrat, questioning Fine in an embedded tweet that's in, there's a video in this piece, you need to just go listen to it, we won't clip it for here. Um, but it's not just liberal Democrats concerned about the bill's Russian time frame. Moore's County Commission seat is technically nonpartisan, but she's a Republican, and my local government attorney source is Republican too. In fact, almost everybody in Central Florida is a Republican. He dug into a very complex, costly, time-consuming endeavor it would be for the two separate counties to absorb the RCID or create a new special district arrangement for them. He declined to even attempt to estimate the legal bill for such a project, but he said his firm's rate for partners doing this type of specialized work starts at four to $600 per hour, and we're liberal about billing the government. Legal fees would be the only one spec, and they expect that multiple county agencies would have significant workload. As one example, repealing RCID would require a, quote, massive rewrite of the county's comprehensive land use plans and regulations, creating pile of work for both lawyers and urban planners. Another government attorney, Rick Shanin, has represented Orange County's constitutional officers and offered additional perspective. Repealing RCID would immediately put a strain on already busy county legal departments. It would be an expensive logistical nightmare for both Disney and the counties who can't create employees out of thin air with specialized skills like this. He said, these are direct quotes. We have no opportunity to plan to make this a smooth logistical operations. It's not immediately doable. June, 20, June 1, 2023 was not even close to enough time, they emphasized. It would be a challenge, but we could figure out. But one year? No way. The first attorneys also slammed that the deadline is unreasonable, and he expected it would take at least five years to properly just study and prepare for such a transition. Orange County tax collector Scott Randolph, again, over and over again, Sarah's going to these local officials that's actually going to have to implement this, not Ron DeSantis, who's nationalizing the issue for scoring points or the one-and-a-half-page legislation that's knee-jerked out of it. These are the people that's actually got to put this in. Again, legislation in black and white. Back to Sarah's piece, Scott Randolph launched a messaging crusade Wednesday denouncing the bill, pointing out that repealing the RCID would result in counties assuming all of its assets and liabilities. That means Orange and Osceola counties would be on the hook for Disney's $2 billion bond debt, which figures out to be an additional tax bill for every county taxpayer estimated to be between $2,200 and $2,800 per family of four. To add insult to injury, the House staff analysis released for HB3C includes the misleading statement that the bill does not appear to require counties or municipalities to spend funds. Shanine burst into laughter when I read that section of him, taking several seconds to compose himself, be calling it an amazingly incomplete statement with lawyer fees alone being only one small piece of the puzzle. The first attorney was even more direct, blasting the House analysis as demonstrative BS, and he didn't abbreviate it. 
Another major problem was that RCID has a higher pay scale and benefits for its workers as compared to the government employee counterparts. The counties would have to frantically try to rehire all those people in what is already a very tough job market. Many would understandably be reluctant to return to their old jobs for reduced pay and benefits, not to mention most of them may not want to work for the government. That would leave the counties choosing between an array of terrible options. Refuse to raise pay for former RCID workers and be majorly understaffed. Raise the pay for all the county workers to RCID levels and annihilate their budgets for the foreseeable future. Or attempt to pay the RCID workers what they were getting and face strong opposition, almost certain lawsuits from every single public employee union over the pay gap. The RCID also contracts with the Orange and Oswego County Sheriff's Offices and the Florida Highway Patrol for law enforcement. If you get arrested at Disney, it's one of those cops that are slapping the cuffs on you. Again, we're reading from Sarah Rump's piece at Media Night. The multi-million dollar contracts included both direct arrangements with the agencies and to hire large numbers of off-duty deputies for additional security. Disney pays those off-duty cops a higher hourly rate than the minimum required under their union contracts, and they're not going to be happy about giving up those lucrative side gigs. Essentially, Sarah Rump writing a mediaite, the repeal of RCID would be a war on tens of thousands of first responders and other blue-collar workers, resulting in many of their lost jobs and even more having to pay, see their pay and benefits reduced. An Oswego County employee told mediaite that their county suffered one of the highest unemployment rates in the country when Disney shut down during the pandemic and their tax revenues have yet to recover to pre-pandemic levels. Anything that hurts the hospitality industry hurts everyone in the state, he said. And that's especially true for Oswego counties, which, unlike Orlando and Orange County, is mostly rural outside of the Disney corridor and even more heavily dependent on the tourist doctors. Dollars. In the end, even if DeSantis somehow prevails in court, repealing RCID will punish the counties much more than it would Disney. Supporters of HB3C are correct to point out that Disney is unlikely to withdraw Walt Disney World completely from Florida. Space, Space Mountain isn't easy to pack up, but that's only one of six Disney parks around the globe. The overall parks division brings in less than 25% of Disney's annual gross revenue. The vast majority comes from their movies, TV shows, and other products. Disney recently began the process of transferring about 2,000 employees from California to a new facility being constructed in the Lake Nona area of Orlando because they had viewed the business climate to be friendlier than the Sunshine State. The events of this week seem likely to inspire Disney to pause and reconsider its move and other possible future investments in Florida. Florida has been spending big bucks to promote the state as a haven for business investment, touting DeSantis' insistence on keeping things open as much as possible during the pandemic. But it's impossible to square that message. With how HB3C telegraphs to the world how very precarious a Florida business owner's rights are, if the wrong thing is said about the Republicans controlling the state government, now DeSantis is in a unique position that, unlike most Florida Republicans, he can skew campaign contributions from big businesses. He caused a buzz at the Florida Chamber of Commerce a few weeks ago when he basically told them they were now irrelevant. The census can tell corporate donors to go pound sand, having successfully nationalized his election by weaponizing cultural issues to build a nationwide fundraising machine drawing in small dollar donors from all 50 states. However, it will be impossible for the vast majority of Republicans who lack DeSantis's name recognition and frequent Fox News appearances. They're vulnerable if Disney decides to drop a few million bucks into the 2022 and 2024 elections with the global goal of shrinking, if not eliminating the GOP majority control. Florida might be trending red, but it's a narrow margin of victory that elected Republicans allowed out-of-work firefighters increased taxes and county budgets getting ripped apart 
does not make for good politics, not even for well-funded PACs. Here's the nasty little secret DeSantis won't want his legislative lackeys to realize, Sarah Rump, writing in Mediaite. He may have to to win re-election as governor in order to launch his presumptive 2024 presidential campaign, but he doesn't really need any Republican legislators to get re-elected with him. If If he will do win, fine. He'll spend the next two years governing much like he has. But if Democrats were to take control of one or both chambers, then he's got an easy enemy to blame. He'll win either which way. But for now, Florida Republicans seem content to speed along on DeSantis's anti-Mickey bandwagon, even if they run their own political careers off a cliff in the process or hurt Florida in the process. Moving the bill forward, quote, so fast that no one has had a chance to reflect is not good governance, said Shanine. And he's right, regardless of the topic, but especially regarding something so intricately complex and potentially devastating to a state's economy. Disney, like all big corporations, ending with Sarah Rumphier, is far from infallible and not immune from criticism. If Florida's Republicans wanted to criticize the company and call for boycotts, that's absolutely within their right. They've got the free speech right to do that. But they can't honestly claim to be conservative and continue to push for a punitive repeal of RCID when it isn't likely to stand up in court, will waste countless millions of dollars on unnecessary litigation and bureaucracy, and will wreak total untold havoc on local governments and budgets in the state tourism industry. Sarah Rumpf writing Mediaite. We read vast portions of that piece. That's not the whole piece. Go read the whole thing. It's well-researched. Long story short, I've got a bit of a problem with how Ron DeSantis is doing this. You can go ahead and bring up the things that Disney's uh, advocating for. You can talk about how they're so woke. You can talk about how they're hurting families or anti-families. That's all fine and well. You may be right on some of those issues. But what Ron DeSantis is doing here is exactly the same things that I've got a problem with, because just a year ago, he was doing carve-outs, free speech carve-outs in legislation for Disney. Now that it's politically expedient, he wants to have carve-outs specifically against Disney. Turn down the noise and the buzzwords for a second. Do you really want to have retaliatory government? Some of our friends online are absolutely gleeful. They're talking over and over again in think pieces and all over social media about mess around and find out. And if you, this is what you do to bullies, you punch them back. Folks, you're being fools. You empower the government to start doing your punching for you. That's all well and good, as long as they're not punching at you. But a government empowered to go punch somebody else eventually is going to get around to punching you or something you care about. We should be for the rule of law. We should be for the restrained use of government. We should be for things like good legislative practices, not knee-jerk reaction. When the folks in Washington jam through a bill in the dark of night, we've been critical of it. It's the same thing when it's jammed through a state legislature and it's got buzzwords that tickle everybody's ears. You may think it's a good thing for legislation to pick out an employee or somebody big like Disney because you don't like what they say. You better remember somebody somewhere is going to not like something you say or a company that you like or a policy that you like. And the precedent may be set for government to hit them very hard. And they may not have the resources that Disney does. Do you have the resources Disney does? Maybe you should make sure a government isn't big enough to take out Disney because someday they may be coming for you. Consistent, coherent advocacy for the rule of law, for accountable government, regardless of the issue. That's what we should be doing. 
And I don't care if Ron DeSantis thinks he's going to run for president or does anything else. I don't care if he's a Republican, a Democrat, or a purple hippopotamus. I don't want retaliatory government. It's bad. It always ends badly. And just because you may want to take a vendetta ride against Disney is no reason to overly empower government to do something that's going to be bad for everybody down the line. More Hurtel after this. back to herd tell a uh, story we've covered in our writing it was before we actually started doing herd tell either as a podcast or as the daily show and on the radio uh brian colfage uh who has long been known as what we call a grifter i know that word gets overused but that's exactly what he was he was running various businesses and schemes to trade off political donations and other things he was writing the MAGA wave that came with donald trump coming into power in 2016 Uh, He also uh, would play off his legitimate status as a wounded warrior. He's a triple amputee from his service, uh, which is honorable. But what he's done since then, not honorable. Um, He was instrumental in what was called the We Build the Wall campaign. You remember this This is when they were going to privately fund to build the border wall. When it happened, we called it out. We said, this is a scam. You shouldn't be anywhere near this. This doesn't have anything to do with politics. It's a scheme. Get away from it. Uh, the usage of folks like Steve Bannon and Kofage and others was big red flags. And the way that this organization fundraised to do something that they weren't legally going to be able to do, among other reasons. Well, here's the end game of it. Uh, Brian Kofage, a disabled veteran who headed a $25 million fundraising effort for a U.S.-Mexico border wall with the help of former Trump aide Stephen K. Bannon, has pled guilty in connection to defrauding donors for his own personal gain. This is out of the Washington Post. Colfage, an amputee who lost three limbs serving in Iraq, could serve more than five years in prison. He was accused of using more than $350,000 in donation on personal expenses, such as home renovations and vehicle payments. After telling We Build the Wall campaign contributors, he would not take a cut of the collections or give himself a salary. Side note, this was easy to tell because all over his social media, he was buying busy buying boats, buying new houses, buying fancy cars, uh, his wife going on massive shopping sprees, so on and so forth. This, this one really wasn't that hard to figure out. On Thursday, in federal court in Manhattan, he admitted to siphoning off money for himself and also pled guilty to tax crimes for failing to report the inter- the income. He also pled guilty to wire fraud. Kofage, a conservative ac- activist, admitted he knowingly and willfully conspired to receive money for donations. As part of his plea agreement, he agreed to forfeit more than $17 million collected during the fundraising push. We Build the Wall was a large-scale private crowdfunding effort orchestrated by Kofage, Bannon, Andrew Badalto and Timothy Shea in 2018, the stated goal was to help the federal government complete the coast-to-coast barrier President Donald Trump had repeatedly promised. I thought Mexico was paying for that. Interesting. The four men were arrested in August of 2020 when prosecutors accused Bannon of personally pocketing more than $1 million. Bannon, a far-right figure who was a key strategist to Trump's 2016 campaign, he was also in the White House briefly, followed Trump to the White House for a relatively short stint As an administrative official, their relationship had not completely soured by the end of Trump's presidency, and Bannon received a presidential pardon on the eve of Trump's departure from the White House, part of a wave of more than 140 other clemency actions, including for Trump's associates who were ensnared in the Justice Department's probe of Russian interference in 2016. However, Colfage, Bandolato, and Shea were not given clemency. Bandolato also pled guilty and will face up to four and a half years in prison. Colfage and Bandolato 
are expected to be sentenced in September. They were allowed to remain free on bail after Thursday's proceedings. Building a border wall on the theory that it would help curtail illegal immigration through Mexico was a hallmark of Trump's presidential campaign that never came to fruition. He promised that Mexico would pay for the wall, which the U.S. neighbor never agreed to. We Build the Wall began as a GoFundMe drive, and then GoFundMe got out of it when they realized that they were in for a whole mess of mess. And now here we are. We called this one. I wish we had been wrong, but we weren't. Once again, never, ever, ever give money to expedient political causes of the moment that get real important because there's almost never any accountability for them. Here's another example. For poor Brian Colfage here, though, he just wasn't quite as important as Steve Bannon, who was equally guilty here, but Steve Bannon got a pardon. He did not. Here we go. Thus it is to you. Enjoy the bed you made. Now go sleep in it. More heard tell after this. Uh, welcome back to Her Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Thank you for continuing with us on this little bit of a special edition of Her Tell. No guests today as I'm on the road. We'll be back with more guests on Monday. However, a uh, story we touched on yesterday, a couple people asked about it because I just happened to hit it in passing, but what's going on with Sri Lanka? Well, Sri Lanka is, is on the brink of economic collapse, um, and part of it is self-inflicted. The current government has been woefully uh, incompetent. Uh, also probably corrupt, but we'll get into that some other time. You can look into that on your own time. What we're looking at, though, is China's involved here. Now, India is trying to interfere because obviously Sri Lanka is adjacent to India, but China has their hooks into Sri Lanka deeply. We're going to read from CNBC here uh, a piece and what we brought up yesterday because it is indicative to how China is viewing the world and how China is expanding their influence. Um India is also, China has taken over at least one strategic port where Sh failed to service its debt. New Delhi won a small but significant victory Tuesday when it wrested away a power project earlier granted to China, but India is also trying to outdo China in its alluracy to provide financial help to Sri Lanka, which is running dangerous low on foreign reserves to service its debt. According to the central bank data obtained by Reuters, Sri Lanka currently has about $2 billion in foreign exchange reserves, but it has $7 billion in total debt due this year, including a billion worth of notes maturing as soon as July. During uh, the Indian foreign minister's trip to Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka sought a $1.5 billion line of credit to buy essential commodities. That's on top of $2.4 billion India has transferred since January by way of a currency swap, loan deferment, credit lines, and other schemes. China, which has deeper pockets, has not yet acceded to Sri Lankan requests for a $2.5 billion credit line or a restructuring of its overall debt. About 22% of Sri Lanka's debt is owed to bilateral creditors. China and Japan, 10% each, as well as India, 2%. Now, why does this matter? Well, what we've already seen happen is that China is strategically trapping geopolitical uh, countries that are important to its expansion with predatory debt. From the piece in CNBC, China has so far not acceded to Sri Lanka's request for debt restructuring. A non-resident senior fellow at the Institute of South Asian Studies 
said, quote, one, it will set a bad precedent for other nations who bothered from China. And two, it will associate China with failure because the Sri Lanka economic model was based on China. In response to CNBC's request for comment, Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs said China and Sri Lanka have always supported each other. Beijing would support Sri Lanka's economy within its ability to do so and would continue to do that in the future. Sri Lanka adopted the Chinese model of infrastructure-led growth in the early 2000s on the premise that it would generate jobs and usher prosperity. No reliable figures are available, but the cumulative value of Chinese infrastructure investment in Sri Lanka is estimated at over $1.2 billion between, um, excuse me, infrastructure investments in Sri Lanka is estimated at over $12 billion between 2006 and 2019. Beyond Sri Lanka's financial crisis, Colombo is also caught in a strategic trap. A Sri Lankan geopolitical analysis and fellow at the Washington-based Millennial Project said he described the strategic trap as an extension of a debt trap with human rights, political, and security aspects. China shields Sri Lanka from the criticism of its human rights record at the United Nations and favors an authoritarian, heavily militarized model of governance. Quote, the quantitative economic projection of debt trap falls short in capturing the strategic depth of Chinese projects. The Chinese projects have long-term strategic designs that could comfortably bring a hybrid model of civil military action to the country, a security concern for Sri Lanka and the entire region. The large-scale Chinese infrastructure loans are on the direct concern because none of them could generate expected revenue to pay back the loans. He said they call the loans opaque. Remember on yesterday's program, we talked about the head of the World Bank and the IMF was talking about how China has them sign NDAs and other things so that the resources like the IMF that would come to the rescue cannot interfere here. Both experts believe the IMF assistant will be key to resolving Sri Lanka's economic issues, but there's barriers. Sri Lanka will be better served if India adds its powerful voice for Colombo to implement an IMF program, which will call for deep economic reforms instead of becoming entangled with China. What does this all mean? We've already seen China in Africa use predatory debt to take over infrastructure projects. This is an important piece of what they're trying to do in the Indian Ocean. Uh, you've heard of their Silk Road Initiative. They also have what they're calling the String of Pearl Initiative throughout the Indian Ocean and the South Pacific, where they want to extend their influence that way. The tankies will get online and tell you that China is never imperialist and doesn't take over countries. It's a bald-faced lie. This is imperialism. They're just doing it through predatory debt instead of strength of arms. But don't worry, they're threatening that particular sword behind the shield of economic aid as well. But behind that economic aid, the strong arm of China, ready to foreclose on that debt, that predatory debt, and take over important things that they want. China is advancing. The world should pay attention. More Hertel right after this. Now let me see you go off like a bomb. We always end usually on a happier note or a good note. This isn't really happy, but it is something we've been covering. We talk a lot about food charities in this segment, people using food for good things. You know, we do the Twitter Supper Club. You know, I like to write about food. I'm actually working on some long form food pieces right now. Uh, World Central Kitchen, that's Chef Jose Andreas's uh, charity that shows up whenever there's trouble pretty much anywhere in the world. They're doing wonderful work in Ukraine. One of their kitchens was actually hit by missiles and some of their people injured. 
but this is out of uh, Boston version of Eater. Uh, at boston.eater.com. In the days Steve Nookie Postal spent working at World Central Cook Kitchen Food Production Facility in Przemysl, Poland, probably mispronouncing that, I apologize, just three miles from the Ukrainian border, life could look repetitive. Five to 6,000 sandwiches assembled a day, hours spent standing up performing the same task over and over and over again. And then there were the tanks. Each day on his hour-long drive between the WCK facility and his Airbnb and Resnow Postal, past massive tanks on trailers heading towards the Ukrainian border. It brings you back to, this is a war zone. I saw the same thing and I continue to see it every day, whether it was tanks or missile launcher things or armored vehicles or the ones you see that are covered. And when you lift off the cover, they are filled with guns. You see it every day. The United Nations estimates that over 11 million people have fled their home in Ukraine since the conflict began. About 5 million left for neighboring countries, while 6.5 million are displaced in Ukraine, according to the BBC. Poland alone has taken in nearly 3 million refugees, according to recent United Nations estimates. Postal, who owns Cambridge's Commonwealth and Cones, the mini cafe chain Revival Cafe and Kitchen, headed to Poland on April 1st to help WCK, the nonprofit, nonprofit founded by Chef Jose Andreas, with plans to stay 10 days. His decision to join the WCK work in Poland was catalyzed when he considered the government's lack of support for small restaurants here in the U.S. in the wake of the COVID pandemic. As I was wallowing, this war started, and I said, F it. Let me show these mother effers. I'm cleaning this up a little bit. What it's like to help people. WCK works to bring food to parts of the world facing crisis. When the Ukrainian conflict began, World Central Kitchen quickly set up an outpost in Poland with walk-in refrigerators, eight full cooking stations, and prepping areas with 12 masses paella plant pans and 12 large ovens, according to a release. Within hours of the invasion, the organization began serving hot meals, at pedestrian border crosses to people fleeing the violence. With multiple kitchens now set up across Poland and also in Ukraine, the nonprofit has served millions of meals to refugees since Russia invaded Ukraine on the ground. Alone, the organization has served over 11 million meals so far. Everybody is there to help because they want to be there because what we are doing and how that feels. The mood, Postal said, is electric. Alongside volunteers from all over the world, he said he met people from Spain, Portland, New York City, the Netherlands, Montana, Arizona, Nashville, Australia, the list is long. Postal worked in a production kitchen that delivers meals to refugees at the border crossing. 13 chefs from France arrived for a few days. One of them may have been a President Marcon's personal chef, he said. WCK has also hired Ukrainian refugees to work. It is good to have people who speak Ukrainian and Polish because it isn't just about food. It's about getting it where it needs to go. The world central kitchen workers and volunteers don't just cook. They were involved in the logistics of driving, sourcing products. On the other end, it's about getting it to people, Postel said. In WCK's Prezmez, like it's a Polish word, I'm going to butcher it, but it's where they're doing this in Poland. Postel estimates they had made about 10,000 meals a day. A giant pilot of beets arrives, so they cook a volunteer's grandmother's borscht recipe, which yielded about 3,000 servings. They made goulash, lamb stew, kitchen, chicken and rice, bread pudding out of day-old bread, and loads of hot chocolate and sandwiches. They cut and steam pallets of apples and carrots for baby food. The anger Postel felt about the government's response to struggling restaurants was spurred by the COVID pandemic they had to endure. It's the reason he went to Poland, to help the struggling. In the end, COVID ended Postel's work there. Fully vaccinated and boosted, Postel still came down with COVID. He's doing fine, but he had to stop his work sooner than he wanted to in return, but he's glad he went. Quote, I feel so bad for all these people who have nowhere to go. And only have what they could carry with them, Postel said. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen, 
and met a bunch of amazing people and cooked so much food. Postel is raising funds for World Central Kitchen through his Instagram account. As his revival cafes, he's donating half of all sales to his bigger seller, Plain Jane Breakfast Sandwich, for the month of April. Good for him. A lot of people doing good work in a very tough situation. Food is universal. It's a good way to always reach out no matter what the circumstance. That's why we spend a lot of time on it. That'll do it for Hertel today. A little different episode. We're still on the road. We'll be back on Monday with a full episode of Hertel. Don't forget the Twice on Sunday show will be out on Sunday. That'll be clips from the week it was. Great guests this week. You want to make sure you don't miss any of them. Also, a big thank you. On Tuesday, we had the largest single day of downloads for the uh, podcasting portion of the program we had ever had. Then Wednesday's show doubled it. We see you folks out there. We appreciate you. You're making this thing go because if you're not there to listen, we don't have anybody to talk to. And we appreciate the partnership we have with you. So until we see you again on Monday or whenever you decide on YouTube or on the podcasting platforms to enjoy anything involving Hertel, we hope you're well. We hope you're well fed. And we'll talk to you on Monday with more Hertel. All the music on Hertel is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.